On December 27, 2019, the paranormal community was saddened and shocked by the sudden death of paranormal researcher, radio show host, author and paralogian Kevin Malick. The news of his passing was heartbreaking to everyone that knew him, and I am still in shock at his passing. This episode is dedicated to the work and to the memory of Kevin Malick. This is also a tribute to the ongoing work of his dear wife, Jennifer Malick. Together they were a powerhouse of knowledge and experience in the paranormal field. Together they both enlightened, explored every area of the paranormal spectrum and protected many vulnerable and frightened people. My love and my thoughts go to Jennifer at this tragic time. The Malik name is synonymous with the pursuit of knowledge within the paranormal community, with both Jennifer and Kevin opening doors for many to join the community and guiding and supporting everyone they came into contact with. The Malik's work has touched hundreds of thousands of people from all parts of the globe, with a work featured in magazines such as the Supernatural magazine, our very own The Paranormal Chronicles Free Digital magazine, and also in their must-read book for every paranormal enthusiast, Paraversal Universal, Decade of Diligence. They hosted the immensely popular Paraversal Universal radio show where they interviewed and discussed all aspects of the paranormal with the who's who of established and upcoming paranormal researchers, authors, personalities and those of personal experience. Their radio show archive is a gold mine of knowledge. It was their show that I first guested on after penning my first book, A Most Haunted House, and I had just created my own brand of paranormal exploration with the Paranormal Chronicles. I was very nervous. I'd been in the media spotlight once before in a life very far removed from the one I happily live in now. It was a period of reinvention and reflection after a long bout of alcoholism, depression, a nervous breakdown and a suicide attempt. A year to finally follow my heart, my lifelong passion, explore the unknown. All things mysterious and of a supernatural origin. Some of you will already know it is indeed the living and not the dead that do the most harm and almost immediately... I was set upon by local investigators that bullied and harassed me at every step. Insecure types stifling and suffocating anyone's desire to succeed or grow or delve into the unknown without their permission. It was during this time I was contacted by Kevin to guest on their show. A huge honour and I was terrified that the bullies would follow me to the show and ruin the experience or that everyone in the community was of the same ilk. Mean, jealous and damaging. I spoke to Kevin a few days before we were set to broadcast for a Skype check. Kevin was so laid back and so accommodating, he immediately came across as genuine, caring, excited and supportive of my own journey. I remember mumbling something about having a few issues with local investigators and he immediately reassured me with conviction and confidence. We are not like that, he told me. Our guests, our listeners, Jennifer and I, we support and encourage everyone to investigate. Research is key. Kevin was a genuine good guy. He was not fueled by ego or by profit, but to simply research the unknown. And at his side, as his equal, he got to do this with the woman he so evidently loved. The Maliks were the epitome of everything that is good in the paranormal community. The interview was professional, encouraging, and ideas were offered on my own personal experience of a haunting that changed my life. Listeners in the chat room shared personal experiences and offered theories and advice. It is a genuine highlight of my life. I made some great friends on the back of that interview. I popped my interview cherry with two of the most wonderful people I could ever imagine to meet. Even at two in the morning, the interview flowed, more like a conversation with old friends on a radio show. And for two hours we talked, and when the interview was over, 
They both spent time talking to me, encouraging, supporting, sharing. And I knew straight away that these were not just two paranormal investigators, but these were real people. People that cared and had such incredible knowledge. I had made two friends and they kindly introduced me to more people within the community. And from being fearful and worried because of a few insecure and trolling bullies, I found hope and confidence as I was embraced by a community of good people with good hearts from all over the world, all working together to find answers. It was this moment where I felt the love and kindness the Maliks had for everyone. They gave everyone a chance. They helped everyone that needed help and because of the door they opened, I had the confidence to go on and feature on scores of radio and podcast shows all over the world, to feature on Coast to Coast, the BBC, in the mainstream UK press, and my little self-published book, written by me, a guy suffering with alcoholism, battling suicidal depression, went on to be read by over 100,000 people. And without the love and support of Kevin and Jennifer Malik, I would not have written more books, and this podcast series would not exist. I thank you both so much for everything you do for me. My writing career blossomed and the rewards of this allowed me to support others with dependency, to support those with mental health issue. And all of this stems because two people in Northern Wisconsin gave me the chance to shine. They gave me the love and support to endure and grow. And Kevin, thank you, thank you so much. There are hundreds of people out there today feeling the same way as I do because without the Maliks this community would not exist as it does and it's Kevin's incredible knowledge so broad from, from his MUFON work to his Bigfoot investigations, his cryptid research, his late monstrosities platforms, his paranormal investigations on all scopes of the paranormal have enlightened and inspired thousands around the world. Kevin may be gone from this plane of existence, but his work lives on in Jennifer. And now more than ever, we need to rally around and give Jennifer our love and support. Kevin's work lives on in the words of books and articles. I was honored that he gave an endorsement for Haunted Horror of Hafford West, a book read by thousands. And it is his endorsement on the first page that greets you. And his endorsement emits the passion and love for the paranormal and his desire to see people succeed. And it is Jennifer's work on demonology that bookends the true account of that book. The Maliks, they touched my life in the most beautiful way imaginable. There are dozens of Paraversal Universal radio shows where Kevin will live on. There are a multitude of interviews out there where Kevin's knowledge and work live on for everyone to absorb and be inspired by. In our own podcast series, this podcast series, Kevin and Jennifer donated their precious time to share their experiences and theories. Kevin and Jennifer made wanting to be a paranormal investigator cool. They are the real-life Mulder and Scully. Constantly professional, they exhibited integrity, passion, honesty, and the support for everyone that needed it. The Malik name will be forever synonymous with all that is good and loving within the paranormal community. Kevin is always here, a beacon of light, a lighthouse of hope shining brightly in the darkness. Kevin has embarked on a new adventure. He has a new world to explore and this world, our world, is a far better place than the work Kevin and Jennifer have done for us all. Thank you so much, Kevin Malik. You were taken too soon, but your love and your work will endure for eternity. 
to Jennifer, the Northern Wisconsin Paranormal Society, the listeners of Paraversal Universe, the readers of Supernatural and the Paranormal Chronicles magazine, I love to you all at this sad time. Myself and Dave Dominguez had the pleasure to speak to Kevin to talk about Bigfoot, and soon we fell down many rabbit holes. Here to honour the great Kevin Malick is that very interview. You really get a sense of his passion and his love for all things paranormal. I love you, man. One day I shall join you for the ultimate investigation. My love to anyone out there who has lost someone. Your life matters. You matter. Life is important. Your life is important. Here's Kevin Malick. Welcome to the show, Kevin. How are you? How are you, Jennifer? I'm doing well, thank you. Good, good. Thank you for being with us today. I know that you all have been quite knowledgeable and have a lot of experience in the paranormal field as well as the cryptid field. Kevin, you being a, a paranormal historian as well, ufologist. And we were discussing a, a Bigfoot, Bigfoot sighting that you had in the past. It was very interesting, and I was hoping you could share that with us today. Absolutely. The sighting I had, I was in my 20s. Uh, I'm 43 now. It was the sighting was one of the catalysts that uh, led me to find found the Northern Wisconsin Paranormal Society. It was a Saturday morning. It was 10:30. It was the hottest day of the year. In fact, it set a record that day. Yeah. It was like 104, 105. We had our shirts off. We had the the sunroof open. Driving down a county road, county C in Wisconsin, and my buddy drives pretty quick. He's a speed racer, and uh, so he was going like 70 miles an hour. And we come around the bend in the highway, and there's a figure crossing the road. Comes up on the side and starts crossing, and I, I nudge my buddy. I go, "Hey, look, it's Bigfoot." You know, at first thinking that's not, or at first thinking that it looked like a Bigfoot, but it must be something else. And my brain is trying to register what I'm seeing, and it looked like a tall, hunched-over old man carrying two five-gallon buckets, swinging. Side to side, like there were long strides. But as the creature crossed the road and started going into the underbrush, by then we had covered easily probably a quarter to, yeah, about a quarter of the distance. Enough that I can tell that it was all the same color, which was a, a, like a paneling brown, like a tan color. I had crossed the highway in like four or five steps, and that what I thought were two five gallon buckets were in fact its forearms. The arms go all the way almost to the ground, and they're wow. very massive. And so the figure crosses the road and goes back and into the underbrush on the other side and without even prompting my buddy when he came up to the spot he stopped the car you know because we had both just seen something very unusual and he looks over at me and he goes you want to go in there after it and i was like are you crazy did you see how big it was and we couldn't see it it was like when when we stopped the car and we looked over i expected to see like a driveway or a trail or anything man-made and the old man you know <laughs> carrying two five gallon buckets and i could say to yeah. myself for a minute there i thought i thought i was seeing something no no it wasn't that was not the case we came up to the spot. There was no driveway, no trail, not so much as anything a sign or nothing man-made. It was just woods. The figure we saw had completely disappeared. And I don't know if he had jumped on all fours and went flat to the ground or if he had just disappeared or what the deal was. I do know if it would have been an old man carrying two five-gallon buckets. There'd be no way he can get through all that ramp with undergrowth and, and move along the point where we wouldn't be able to see him um he would be it would be uh because the undergrowth by the the county road is thicker you know because it gets more sunlight and stuff you know it, it was just one of them things to where we realized that we saw a bigfoot so all the way home you know we're, we're discussing it like you know no one's gonna believe this this is nuts and it was so hot out that the first thing we thought is could this be a hoax of some kind 
No, not today. It is so hot today for anybody to put on Chewbacca suit or something. Yeah. <laughs> and, and no, and and to to maneuver through the brush like it did. No, a bear. No, a bear walk like Frankenstein, all slow with the arms kind of straight out. This thing was striding, like the the arms were swinging side to side, and and the knuckles were like scraping the ground kind of thing, and the the leg strides were long. So when we got home. We looked at a map to see where it was going, and it was going towards a water source. There's a, a river in the area. At that point, we kind of figured that this creature was somewhere he normally went to Ben at that time of day, but because it was so hot out that uh, he was probably suffering, and maybe his life was even in danger at that point, and he needed a water source. And he was willing to risk walking around in the broad daylight, you know, crossing a, a county highway. Yeah. It's boonies up here. We're in, we're in the Northwoods of Wisconsin. You know, so it's not like a state highway, or, but it's still, you know, for us, it's a county trunk highway. And for me, I can rule out hallucinization because yeah. my butt saw it too. And we were both sober. It was daylight out. It was just, a, you know, it was an incredible experience. Yeah. So anyways, we figured we were probably downwind the way we came around the bend. Not a sharp corner, but, you know, a t- kind of a corner, you know, just a bend in the road or whatever. And that it probably figured it was safe. And it was just going to scoot across the highway. And we came whipping around and bam, we saw him. Where he went to, I don't know. He either disappeared because he crosses a road, it goes down and then it goes up. We would have been able, it's not like he would have been able to go down a hill or something where we couldn't see him anymore. It was the way it was set up. If, if he would have continued walking, he would have had an incline before he got over the ridge. He wasn't there and we couldn't see him and there was no nothing moving around, no branches or, or anything like that. It was just silent and it's like, yeah. wow, a, a huge figure just crossed the road here. Just amazing. So from that point on, I realized that Bigfoot is real. I had mm-hmm. a couple of UFO experiences too. So between the, the UFO experiences and then seeing this Bigfoot, I, you know, and then of course just my my interest in it you know was, was my mom had bought me uh an encyclopedia set when i was like 10 or 11 and it was like a i, I forget about what publishing company but anyways it, it was 25 books all on different paranormal topics and subjects it's a book and it was geared yeah. kind of towards kids i mean when you look at it today as an adult it's like oh this is kind of like a kid's book but it, you know for me you know that was my introduction into paranormal my parents my mom had a really impressive library all kinds of books on mysteries and unexplained mysteries and stuff and so i get this this encyclopedia set all to my own as a kid Mm -hmm. and then i have experiences you know it's just one thing on top of another you know at some point i'm like well you know i got enough experiences and at this point enough knowledge that i should be an asset to some paranormal society so i went to look for one and there were there wasn't one up or that's why i started the society so we cover seven categories now used to be six we added forbidden archaeology to that oh okay that's a great subject Brilliant. But we cover uh, ghosts and haunted places, yes. cryptology, aliens and UFOs, metaphysics, theology, conspiracies, and now forbidden archaeology. The thing with the forbidden archaeology is, you, you know, like with like different objects, some of them were haunted objects. Some of the stuff would end up in theology if it was religious based. But overall, we decided that uh, um, we needed something for specifically like UPAs, out of place artifacts and whatnot. So, um, but yeah, so them are the seven categories we cover. Our society covers them and we're involved at different you know, we, we investigate uh, for families. We specialize in, in, you know, families who are traumatized by paranormal experiences. Um, we have a wonderful uh, team uh, or a society filled with paranormal professionals. We have a, we work with, we have a resident uh, psychotherapist who works yeah. with us. He's a core member. Wow. Of course, Jennifer's a psychic medium and religious demonologist. And we have Reverend Charming Gwen Pond. She's got a, a doctorate in 
theology, religion. Of course, we have a documentarian. We have a few just general paranormal investigators. And then myself, and we have another ufologist who used to be the state director for Wisconsin MUFON, yeah. part of the team. So we got a really well-rounded team looking at everything from multiple facets and angles. And we kind of meet in the middle. So we work the cases. And otherwise, we'll be involved with things like expos or paracons or, or campouts. Uh, we got a Bigfoot campout planned in May. That's uh-huh. fantastic. We're going to go out with, um, it's going to be Northern Wisconsin Paranormal Society. We're going to have a couple members of the Fox Valley Ghost Hunters because they've been asking for a couple of years now to go out with us because they only do ghosts and they're like, man, we'd really like to try this Bigfooting. That's, I mean, they're, they're you know, awesome investigators. And then we're going to hook up with the uh, Wisconsin Bigfoot Research Society. Uh, and you're going to have your joint investigations there. Well, what we'll do is all, all three of us, there's a couple yeah. members from that group, a couple members from our group, a couple members from Fox Valley. We're going to meet mm-hmm. in one area in the middle of the woods. It's called Stevens Creek Chimney. It used to be an old bed and breakfast, which had burned down. Big mystery behind it. It's considered a haunted location. Plus, it's surrounded by nothing but woods. There are no houses anywhere within miles. We thought, man, what better location than that location? All night squatching, but you know, you know, at our base camp, we'll have if nothing is happening with the squatching, we can you know try stuff uh, with the paranormal, with the yeah. ghosts. But you know, we just got this. Uh, one of our members had just bought a Kinex camera. That's something I'd like to try out in. Other well, what is a Kinex camera? Well, it maps out the environment and it picks up motion. It's it's very similar to like the Nintendo Wii. People are familiar with that. The you know the the interactive video games now where you have a camera on you and it picks up your movement and it maps it so you can actually like literally fight with your arms or or oh, okay. You know, and what would happen is people would be playing this video game and of course it, it maps them out as a, a stick figure. All of a sudden, like like it would map out another figure next to him or something. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> Look over, and there's nobody standing there. It's like, what the mm-hmm. hell is it mapping out? <laughs> you got the TV, and wow. you see a stick figure, you know, same size as you. So, anyway. This camera can see another realm or another wavelength or something. That... Yeah, it, it, it's, uh, we've tried it so far in one mm-hmm. investigation. Well, two. We, we, we tried it on one investigation, and we tried, we did some tests with it at another location that, that we investigated like two years ago. And the first time we used it, we, had, we got two figures throughout the course of the whole. There's like a 12-hour investigation, 10-hour investigation. Uh, we got two figures that it mapped out that were not present. Uh-huh. Oh, amazing. One of the figures, it was interesting, was a, a, almost like a halfling-sized figure, um, almost even smaller, than, like a small child, and it was floating in the air. It was really unique. And when Jennifer reached her hand up to it, you could see her, too. She's mapped out the camera also. Yeah. The thing, like, curled up like in a fetal position, like it didn't want to be touched. Yeah. And so we were able to interact with this too. Can you raise your arm if, if you know, you can ask questions that way and if you see it raise its arm. It's, it's just an awesome tool. And I thought, man, not only are we into cryptozoology, but we're into paracryptozoology. One of the like pages we have is called Paracryptozoology on Facebook. Paracryptozoology can... That's uh, the notion that some animals that we have yet to discover or have yet identified may have supernatural abilities or powers that humans don't possess. Oh, okay. Whatever that may be. You know, we hear about Bigfoot's um, disappearing portals. I've heard stories where people say that one will pull another right out of the ground. Or, I mean, just people report Bigfoot's, you know, and the strange lights in the sky. Just enough of these reports that you can't really just keep 
discounting after report after report after report tens you know in the hundreds into the thousands something's going on i mean and we're talking you know like we were talking with gavin and and he was saying um before the show he's like you know you know in england it's not as big as it is in america with the big footing right, right. but if you if you look at maps i've seen a couple maps that have uh, been put together where people have mapped out every bigfoot sighting in the uh-huh. UK, and there's actually, a, I mean, it's it, there's enough dots on the map that yeah. it's to me that's almost just more proof that that there's something. Somebody's uh, seeing something. They're they're seeing something. We're seeing Bigfoot on a smaller land location where we should totally, especially with drones, especially with compared, you know, like you'd figure we would be able to document ape-like creature by now. Thank yeah. Well, you know, I've, I've heard that the Bigfoot does have audibilities. It could even make you uh, see things or not see things. Sure. So, so it can, you know, mind with your with its mind or something that that you know you could be walking in front of you, but it can control that you can't see it. It can do something that you can't see it or you won't remember it. Or Les Stroud or, talks about mind yeah. speaker talks to him in his mind. And other people reported that yeah. some some people, like you said, they mm-hmm. believe that somehow make itself invisible at times. It can make you, you know, now if it's making you see things that you, you normally don't see, I kind of yeah. feel. If you're experiencing something like that, you might want to look into the demonic a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just like if you're in a if you're in a house and all of a sudden you see bugs everywhere and then you start freaking out and then they're just gone and you're like, oh, yeah, you just had that kind of stuff. To me, is is I would say, well, you might want to look into the demonic. But uh, that that that's happened here in in, in my house. That happened a, a few months ago. Ooh, yeah. That uh, you know, we we have a, a guest bathroom that nobody uses ever. Nobody, you know. And all of a sudden, I walk in there and it's full of flies, just full of them. And that bathroom's sealed. There's no way anything can get inside. And it, it took me a couple of days to get rid of them. But the funny thing is, they would not come out of the bathroom. They wouldn't go in the hallway. They wouldn't come out. They wouldn't come out of anywhere. They would stay right there right. and not leave. And so, you're trying to figure out how did they get here? Where's the yeah. food for this for them? There's there's no food. There's nothing in there. They're, that bathroom, nobody uses it. There's nothing in there. There's no food source. There's no the trash cans completely empty. Nobody uses it. It's just there. So how they got in, I don't know. I, I checked the, the skylight. It's completely sealed. There was absolutely no way anything had got, gotten in there. No bugs, nothing, nothing. And that's why we couldn't figure out what was going on in that room. Is there a bad presence in that day? I don't know. But like I said, nobody uses it, and, and I don't feel anything in the house. So that's that's when uh, when we thought that was really, really odd that it would... Oh and, it, oh, and mind you, this was in the middle of winter. It was around... Um, I think around December, January that this was happening. So there's no, it's cold here. It's no flies here in that, that time of the year. So I thought that was, that was really, really odd. And, and these weren't like little flies. These were the big, big flies. Those big, I guess we call them horse flies. They're big suckers. They actually, they can bite you if they want. So it, it took, it took me a couple of days to get rid of them. You know, it, it took about half a can of spray and some fly strips and all that, but eventually they all, they all died and they never came back. So that's, that's what we thought was, was weird. And I thought, well, something must be going on or something followed me home from somewhere. Something has so, latched on to you, Dave. I, I guess so, because at the time, I was, we were having a, a rough time of it, and you know, a few of the things were going on that was kind of weird. But once once the flies disappeared, everything seemed to have gone back to normal. I Oops. have a question for you, Kevin. Going back 20 years ago, you had your sighting of what you believe to be a Bigfoot. Was there any other sightings since or before that you've researched? Is, is it a known area for Bigfoot or was it just a total anomaly? As you said, it's very hot. Maybe Bigfoot was fighting for survival. Well, it's interesting you asked that. As you stated, uh, we write for Supernatural magazine. And I decided better thing to write about than something that is... 
you know it's true. Mm -hmm. You know, especially in this field. It dawned on me that I had never wrote out my entire account and released it to the public. So I did that. I sat down and, and I wrote it out. We we published it in Supernatural magazine. After once that happened, I got a couple of uh, letters from people who had there there are two other Bigfoot sightings in the same area where I saw mine. There's a uh, one of the sightings in the area, give or take a few miles. There's a abandoned potato farm, and one of the sightings was somebody had seen what they thought was a Bigfoot walking through this abandoned potato farm. The second one that came through was similar to ours, where somebody had seen somebody or something cross the highway that they couldn't explain. And I thought, man, it's them are all three within not only you know, and this is right outside of Starks, Wisconsin, and there's an area in the Starks location that's called the Ginty Triangle, and it's a triangle of within a few miles of a triangle, all this paranormal activity. There's um, there's a couple of houses in there where there's um, murders and, and demonic stuff. There's uh, people have, have been killed in, within this triangle. There are There's a couple um, what we call just abandoned haunted houses where actually we documented some evidence that got us on news from one of these locations. Wow. With Ke- Kevin, I, w- I wanted to ask you um, on your Bigfoot sighting, just, just to give the listeners uh, some perspective, that you said it was a county road. So is it very well maintained and does it get a lot of traffic or what was it traffic conditions that time of day? I'd say average. I mean, 1030 in the morning, a lot of Uh people are at church then. I don't know. Uh, It was, we came around, like I said, we came around a bend. It's a straight stretch. They're not, they're maintained by the county. They're not maintained by the state. Uh, So they don't have like the, they don't have like the big, I don't know how it is in. Such a rural. Yeah, it's just, I mean, the trees come close to the highway. Yeah. Like clear it out for deer on the sides. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like state highways do. Where yes. like, okay, they don't do that on the county highways. They just kind of, county highways, the highway, you know, it's got the dotty line. And, and so, well, so the brush on the side would be kind of thick. So, oh, sure. Because you know, yeah. it's pretty much just blended right into the yeah. into the underbrush. It kind of disappeared in there. And and what, what I found interesting, you were saying that it had to run uphill. It couldn't have just disappeared down. So right. well, you, you well, should have seen it going over the hill. That's what I'm saying even stopped the car and we're looking looking out you know like where is it who was that who was that yeah. it's either a bigfoot that just disappeared or a hunched down old man <laughs> we would have seen him fumbling through the brush yeah. i mean you can't take two pickle buckets you know fill them something and, and walk through a bunch of undergrowth and and bramble and whatever else you did know did you see any disturbance when you when you when you no. got to that spot where he went in like broken branches or anything like that maybe nothing was moving nothing. it was like nothing oh. had been there okay nothing had been there like if, he, if my friend would ask me that today, you want to go in there after it? I would say, yes. <laughs> <laughs> today, because, yeah. you know, 20 years ago, it was just like, no. <laughs> yeah, at that, at that time, it was like, that was just so big. I mean, the way it, yeah. the way it walked, the way it crossed the highway. How difficult would it have been for you actually to have gone after it? Well, you know. Again, uh, well, we're in shorts. We're in Bermuda shorts. We don't have any shirts on. I had tennis on, but I don't know if he had sandals or what or tennis shoes so we would got scratched up pretty good because there's you know like raspberries and there's you know they got the little thorny things on them and there's just like you know small bushes and under undergrowth the woods up here are you know thick but when you get by the the county roads or any roads because the the trees are cleared it gets more sunlight than the average woods Mm -hmm. so you get more stuff growing that's not tall trees so So you can it, it was hot day, but it wasn't necessarily dry. You did get rain, so it wasn't a bunch of scrub brush and stuff on the side of the road. It was, it was uh, yeah. just thick, dense. 
Yeah. Bushes. I mean, okay. Were you frightened? No, I wasn't frightened because we hadn't we hadn't been approached or threatened or if he would have came running out of the woods at us. <laughs> but I, I, maybe I was a little more not frightened, but just like you know, again, I I'm not generally one to go tempt fate, take a stick and poke a hornet's nest, things like that. And again, yeah, it was just a really. I'll never forget that experience. And I'm so yeah. glad someone was with me to see the same thing. Do wow. you think there's a connection, Kevin, between UFOs and Bigfoot? I'm undecided on that. I, I, I can't discount that some Bigfoot sightings also have lights in the sky. I will say most of the Bigfoot, mo the majority don't, but there is a percentage that does. I, I, I will say as a ufologist that there are, depending on who you, what ufologist you ask, there's going to be anywhere between, I think it's like 68 different known alien species all the way up to 150 some you know depending on if you're getting you know are you getting it from the russian government are you getting it from the american government you know they all have their things that leak out so yeah i mean if there's like you know 100 different alien species running around sure one of them could look like chewbacca <laughs> the reason i ask is uh, you made a very good point earlier about you explored where in the world bigfoot had been seen i'm not a huge uh, knowledgeable person on the bigfoot phenomena because of this show and because of you and Dave I've done some research and Bigfoot there are many many sightings in the UK but one of them which I find is really really interesting is in the Rendlesham Forest it's called the Shug Monkey it is described as a large ape giant dog and bear it's almost like this chimera this weird animal uh, wandering this, this ancient woods of Rendlesham Rendlesham is where our Roswell occurred in the 1980s yep and I was wondering maybe there was some kind of connection between the two you know it's, it's berserk but there's this weird creature wandering in a woods where there was known UFO activity, possibly a crashed UFO. Yeah, um, the Rendlesham Forest is, uh, when when you say that, I instantly think of, of the, the UFO phenomenon that happened out there. <laughs> Jim Penniston, when our first, when our show very first started out, I had um, asked him if he'd come on the show because I wanted to talk about that. And at the time, he didn't come on, unfortunately. So I don't, you know, at this point, uh, I don't know if I'll ever get a chance to interview him or not. Um, he definitely has an interesting story to tell. And that binary code, which he came up with, with zeros and ones that they were able to um, translate into coordinates and, and a message or, or something. I mean, that's amazing stuff. I and mean, it's really amazing stuff. That's intriguing. That's, uh, does it surprise me that, that people have seen, um, like you said, like a Bigfoot kind of or a Chimera type of creature, whether it's on all fours or all twos. People are seeing weird creatures out there, um, something like you see in mythology or something. Some of these ancient forests uh, that doesn't surprise me at all uh, especially with the with the if you look back through the the history all, all the way into antiquity the different religions and, and practices and rituals and beliefs and and the different things that have gone on in our past who know i mean i i tend to believe that uh i the ancient alien theory to a point i saw i also believe in god and creation but i or i believe in god i believe in that um he's responsible for creating things we'll just say that but I also believe that, yeah, our our history, like just like uh, Hancock says, Graham Hancock, uh, we're a species with amnesia. And I totally, I mean, yes. secret societies have the records. They know what has happened in our human past. Them secrets are what make them secret societies. That and their religious demonic worship or whatever. But they have, I mean, whether you're talking, I think that these are the secrets that would free us. The, you know, give us our true history. Give us a true past. Give us, you know, obviously that, I mean, 
when you see uh, stone blocks that are 100 million tons, <laughs> this stuff today, I mean, it's like, who built this stuff? Not cavemen. Obviously not cavemen. Don't even give me that. I, I have a lot of respect for the, the forbidden archaeology that they've done, yeah. stuff that they've yeah. come up with and the theories that have been put out. It's refreshing because it's not just what we're fed with a spoon and grade school. Uh-huh. When Mount St. Helens erupted in the early 80s, there were witness reports that they saw a military helicopters carrying off large animals bigger than a bear. Do you think it's considered that the military have knowledge or maybe have bodies or even alive Bigfoot. Absolutely. And here's uh-huh. the thing, okay, there's many angles to this. One, if, if you acknowledge Bigfoot, then you have this issue of forestry and mining where it becomes an endangered species. And if you have an endangered species in a forest, you can't go out there and clear cut a forest. There are laws to protect that. So they needed to have to get rid of all the plots, which uh, whether I'm sure they'll do eventually. I mean, the way the government's growing out here, it's, it's just insane. America's turning into a different country as we speak. Yeah, so you have that, okay? So that's going to upset all kinds of lobbies. We're talking millions and billions of dollars in forestry alone. So there's that angle. And then, of course, the whole idea that there's beings out there. Again, I used to be on I used to be on the fence even up to five years ago as far as is Bigfoot an interdimensional being or just a regular gigantopithecus we haven't documented properly yet. But with all the drones and trap cameras, and not just drones and trap cameras out there that can't find it, but some of the anomalous photos they are capturing. You know, when they try to find it, you know, they put out bait, put out the trap camera. All of a sudden, they get a weird anomalies, you know, funny, like, lightning ph- phenomenon or weird orbs or, or just light anomaly stuff. And then their bait's gone in the next picture. Just weird stuff like that. And it's not just one or two. I mean, there's dozens of, of people out there that are that are um, putting all kinds of time and energy into this, serious time and energy, full-time job kind of time and energy and are just not getting anything um they're, they're getting the same results basically that Les Stroud talks about and he's having the same issues you know he's, he's saying like I don't understand why we can't find this at this point to be something more to this and I and as a paranormal historian and just looking at everything I know that I gotta say the whole idea of paracryptozoology the fact that there is something going on with some of these cryptids that is they're doing things that humans don't do I mean evading yeah nothing else i mean they can evade in a way that our ninjas best ninjas wish they could so les stroud he's that uh the survivalist yeah he's that survivor man and you know that that's for him to say something's out there that's you know they, he's pretty reputable you know right. i don't think he would he wouldn't you know, willingly endanger his reputation, his credibility. So I, I think that's pretty credible. That that put me pretty much over the fence because I was on the fence as well for a while. But hearing him, you know, and he came out with his show and everything, I think that, that kind of put me more to the believer side than anything else. Another angle or facet to this, which may or may not be significant to, to Gavin's question, was... Mm-hmm. The missing 411 issue topic, and that's with the uh, there are thousands of people in, in state parks that are going missing, and the, the state parks aren't keeping records of this stuff. So uh, David Pilates just wrote a book on this. He he, he spent years and years uh, doing research. I believe he comes from a police kind of background, so he's got good investigative skills and stuff. And um, anyways, so yeah, so he went and and he started researching this, and he found that there. First of all, he asked the state parks if they had any fig- what their figures were on this and the information and stuff and they wouldn't give it to them. Some of them said, we don't keep records of that stuff. It's like, you're kidding me. You have people missing in your state park and you're not keeping records of this? What's going on? That, you know, again, um, yes, I, I think the government knows what's going on. I think that it wouldn't surprise me, it wouldn't surprise me in, in the least if they didn't have a couple of these creatures somehow confined somewhere. 
if they're able to do that. You know, again, it's uh, at the least you would figure they would try to do secret recon missions with with their their best Green Berets and Army Rangers and Navy SEALs to go out there and try to find one of these things. You know, so if they're doing that, they're keeping the information to themselves. We're not getting it. And again, just to come out and say, okay, America, Bigfoot is real. It does exist. They're going to have to give us a reason why we haven't been able to document it properly. I, I just think that even if they were to come out and say there's nothing supernatural about these beings, it would still cause issues. But I think yeah. there is supernatural. And that in itself is reason to cover it up. Yeah, then you yeah. start questioning reality if we start doing that. If the government comes out and acknowledges this, then you question, well, what else is fake? What else right. have they lied about? So. But yeah, I've, I've heard that too. Well, you know, I, I heard, um, you know, as far as as far as the Mount St. Helens issue that the Gavin brought up, I, I, I heard that as well, that the uh, the military actually went out there and was picking up the Bigfoot bodies so people couldn't see them. They were leaving the humans on the ground. They were leaving other animals on the ground. They were just picking up the, the dead Bigfoots that were out there. Interesting. And then bringing them out and, and on, on flatbeds truck covered in, in tarps. Apparently there was quite a few well, is what, I, what my understanding was. You guys remember that documentary, Mermaids? Yes. Okay, I call it a mockumentary because there's yes. false information in there. They had alleged that there were mermaid bodies washing up when they did these underwater sonar tests. Navy would, and same thing, where you'd have a situation where all these, all of a sudden, you have a beach that has a bunch of beached whales, a bunch of beached dolphins, and guess what? A couple, a few mermaid bodies wash yeah. up too. So you know, the government races down there in hazmat suits and everything else. What are they doing down there? Why do they block off the beach? That. I mean, yeah, that's part of the mockumentary, but there are reports where that has happened. That has that has nothing to do with the the mockumentary. So that element of it, that that specific element, are again, does our government have? If there are mermaids, and I again, the, the aqua ape theory, the fact that we just mm -hmm. have wet on our fingers, you know, uh, the way our our body is structured. If, if you believe in evolution. In Darwinism, you gotta believe in mermaids. Okay, I I'm not a Darwinism guy. Okay, I believe in minor evolution. I don't believe in major evolution. You know, yeah, I would think that same thing. You know, if we found out that we had human brothers swimming around in the ocean, you know, that's gonna raise all kinds of moral issues. I mean, our mm -hmm. oceans are bad enough polluted as it is between the garbage and the stuff that the, the Navy's doing and everything else. It's mm -hmm. just and you know we have the Page Lake monstrosities, which is the largest uh, aquatic mysteries Facebook group out there right now check it out everyone we see that stuff all the just the all the the bad news and information coming out of the oceans right now it's it's yes. just day after day after day it's it's yeah. nuts not to change topics but we know more about the moon than we do the oceans so. the government knows what's going on with the moon oh. there are theories about the moon some people report that every so often you see a wave go over the moon like amateur astronomers are, are taping they'll be filming the moon or whatever and a wave will go over it almost like it's a hologram or something now the moon itself is anomalous for a lot of reasons the fact that it doesn't spin the fact that we always see one side of it the fact that it's identically the same size as the sun during a solar eclipse that alone the odds of that are like one in a trillion trillion or yeah. some number the fact that all of its craters no matter how wide are all the same depth the fact that when they hit it with that satellite it rang like a bell for 12 hours this is all kinds of weirdness with the moon and with the moon landings and all the and then you got the, the stuff Richard Hoagland talks about with not just Richard Hoagland and many others as well. The things on the moon that they've airbrushed out and mm -hmm. Mars. Possibly one of the reasons we didn't go back is because they did find something up there. Exactly. And the Are more we... people that go up there, the more of a chance it is for it to get to get out to the public. Well, with the moon landing, you know, they say, is it real or is it fake? I think some of it's real. I think mm -hmm. some of it's fake. I think we may have gone up there found something that we didn't expect to find or were bullied off of the moon or something or something mm -hmm. freaked out or who knows what. But for whatever reason, 
we felt it was in our best interest not to go back. I, I know that something was blown up on the moon at one point. We don't get much about why or what or if even happened or, or what's going on with that. Yeah, just, you know, again, so much weirdness with the moon. And the fact that if you go back in our history, I'm, I'm just going to be safe on this. I'm going to say between seven and 10,000 years ago, there are no records of the moon before that. Really? Interesting. So I think the oldest legend of the moon we have is from the Zulu tribe. That goes back about, again, as far back as mankind, you know, six, seven, eight thousand years. But that's about as far back as you can trace it. But you don't see like you don't walk in a cave and see old cave paintings of the moon. It's just weird. Why not? You see the sun, but not the moon. Good grief. Now, a Bigfoot is seen as a very spiritual creature, but there have been cases where Bigfoot is seen to be a bit violent. Do you think that... That Bigfoot is a gentle creature, or is it like any animal that, when provoked, it could do harm? I'd like to apologize. I didn't mean to get off topic there before. No, not at all. It's fascinating, Kevin. Do not apologize, sir. It is you're opening our our minds to a whole slew of possibilities. We can do another show mm-hmm. on mermaids and the moon. I think that would be fantastic. <laughs> if you would like to come back whenever you're free. For the people who tune in to Bigfoot, would, would you say it's a spiritual creature, or do you think it could do harm to people if provoked? I believe both. I believe if you provoke it, yeah, it will defend itself like anybody would. I do believe it's a spiritual creature. It is to many of the paracryptozoologists I know. Um, it's very spiritual. There are people that, that claim to communicate with it. Obviously, the Native Americans have all their legends. And to them, it's a very spiritual animal. I mean, that's, you know, that's deep within their religious vocabulary or, or uh, dictionary or whatever. Yeah. And I think, but uh, at the same time, I think, like, if you startled one accidentally or threatened it or one of its younger ones yeah i think it would be extremely dangerous i but most i, I will say this so almost all of the bigfoot reports are non-violent so i, I would wager to say that it's it's i wouldn't put it at the top of the list of frightening cryptids i think i'd leave that with the dogman slash werewolf report them seem to be much more scary violent the bigfoot stuff is a lot of people get startled by it a lot of people see it and they don't have any fear so there have been reports that it will throw rocks at you to try to get you to leave its territory or it'll start screaming and hollering you know from a distance to try to scare you off and so i think that's the only really violent things we've heard you know and that's that brings up an interesting point we just assume you know again or i should say let's not assume that because bigfoot might be interdimensional somehow mm-hmm. that it means it's the super genius it may be just some simple creature who has it's like let's like the legend in africa i can't remember the name in uh african tribes they have a legend of a little primate that is able supposedly kind of does like the daredevil or yeah daredevil on x-men where it disappears and it reappears somewhere else okay they have a legend of a little primate that does this i know destination oh. truth did an episode trying to document it they would say that this little primate would go they like rotten milk and and i forget what else sometimes they would report it like this creature would be in the huts in the middle of the night. Someone would wake up and see it, and then it would be like on the kitchen table or something, and then it would disappear and reappear somewhere else. And I thought, man, if this little primate could do that, supposedly, why couldn't Bigfoot? But yet still be just like a simple creature. I mean, the one thing, whether it's interdimensional or not, it seems to go after the bait piles. You said sometimes it, it seems to like where if you're in its territory, probably close to it, what it calls its lair, will probably try to do things to get you to go away because it doesn't want you there. Again, what's the mystery behind it? You know, what's the Bigfoot's agenda? That's that whole thing. Questions. 
a lot of theories. And, that, and that's what I was going to bring up as well. Maybe it can just appear and reappear in different different places, maybe different times as well, if you think about it, because it's it's been documented you know, for, for hundreds of years. Well, there's another so. theory, and I don't think it's responsible for all of them. It might be responsible for a very, very small percentage. And that may be, again, it's the same thing that goes back to a theory that is shared with Loch Ness Monster. And that's, are we looking at like a, the ghost of an animal that once existed? You know, oh, that's interesting. Yes. Gigantopithecus, we know it existed. We have the oh, fossils to prove it. Surprisingly, it's amazing that they let us see that. Even that. But they did. So we know it exists. So, yeah, if ghosts are real, spirits are real, there should be no reason why residually, at a minimum, one of these figures will pop up. What if... I don't know if I can say that because it crossed the highway, specifically the highway. Like, it wasn't like walking in a different area or anything. But uh, I, I'd say with some of them, maybe people are seeing ghosts of, of animals that once existed. Please, as far as, as, far as the, the Loch Ness Monster or Champ or anything goes, Gigantopithecus, as, as far as Bigfoot goes. Species we haven't documented yet that's very similar. Kevin, I'm going to ask you, right? Fact or fake? The Patterson-Gimlin footage. What's your opinion on that? <laughs> uh, if you would have asked me that five years ago, I probably would have said real. As the years go by, I'm starting to question it. But I got I got two problems with the Gimlin film. One is that they were making a Bigfoot documentary movie when they were filming this. And that's not talked about much. The other problem I have with it is that it's even though it looks amazing and you see muscle structure, you even see boobs, things that people would assume. Well, nobody would put that stuff into it. If, it were, you know, if you were hoaxing something, you wouldn't think of putting boobs on it or that kind of thing. Unless you're making a Bigfoot movie and, and you're trying different monkey suits and stuff. Uh, they say, well, the technology wasn't there to have suits like that. And if they were making suits that good, how come they weren't working for the movies? You know, I don't know. But I the biggest problem I have with it is that we haven't got anything else since then that is even closely comparable to another word. How come only that piece of footage? Like we have other ones that are blob squatch ones where like they're from a distance or, or it's real grainy or but nothing definitive like the Patterson footage. So I guess for, for most of my paranormal career, I felt it was real. Because you do see some what might be called muscle structure. And the other reason for that is that question I've also had the pleasure of asking many cryptozoologists. And they, most of them feel it's real. But again, you know, it's like, man, if it's if we should have more by now with the drones, with the trap cameras, with the amount of people now that belong to Bigfoot groups that go out looking for it. Why aren't we getting anything else that's that amazing? I So for me, it's like, did they make this up? It's possible. Now, to their credit. It is way in the middle of nowhere. And people have even gone back to the same identical location to verify that it was. And so, I mean, like, if you, you figure if you're going to make a Bigfoot movie, would you go that deep? Would you need to go that deep? There's pros and cons to it. I'm not as convinced as I used to be that it was real. Four years go by, and, and the more we have the ability now with things, it's like, man, ultra, ultraviolet cameras just came out a, a couple of years ago. That was exciting. We could see in a new spectrum, a, a little fraction of the new spectrum. And then, bam, a couple of years later, Connects camera comes out. What have we got coming out in the near future? I look forward to it. I'm, I'm waiting for the day where we could put on a pair of glasses. You can see the spirit world. We'd go insane. Uh, I think when, you know, going, going back to the, the technology of the time, you know, people were saying, well, you know, you couldn't have faked that and that, that didn't exist. But you got to remember at that time, they were making Planet of the Apes right. and they had the, the makeup and the costumes. They had everything like that. And that looked, that was realistic. So, yeah. so that was available at that time. So the, and those, you know, those were, I, I'm, I'm guessing people in, in costumes as well. So, so the technology, yeah. you know, the makeup and all that and the costumes and all, they did exist at that time. So, so that's really much a fallacy when people come out and say, well, that didn't exist. 
because it did, and probably yeah. some years before that as well. You know, and here's a good example of why another reason I think it could be fake. If you look at the, um, it's the Dogman footage that came out. Uh, Monster Quest did a, a show on it. Um, a guy had faked some Dogman footage um, in Michigan, and he sent it to a radio station who watched it and thought it was real and put it out there, and it became a big thing. Then the guy came out and said, no, I hoaxed it. It was a joke. It showed it, it was supposed to be like footage from the 70s, some guy chopping wood, and, you know, he's working on his truck, and next thing you know, they're they're filming in the field and there's this like almost like this baboon looking thing that kind of like is looking at them and then it comes flying right at them comes right up to the camera you get glimpses of some teeth and then bam that's the end of the footage and i remember when i first saw that i thought man that looks so real it, it first time i saw it it fooled okay i thought mm-hmm. damn I, that could be real. Comes out and says, no, it's not real. And this is how I made it. And this is what I did. He said, yeah. the lighting the lighting just happened to be perfect. The camera just happened to be perfect. You know, he's like, I, it came out way better than I ever could have hoped uh-huh. for. And I think if that can happen, then it could be the same thing with the Gimlin. Where could like, be. maybe some, they were making this food and they said, hey, let's put boobs on it. Nobody will ever think of that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let's go out and film this once. And hey, wow. Because of the, the, the yeah. way the is and it looks like sheen it actually looks like muscle structure we get lucky on that one Stan, how do we know that's just not the case so yeah, yeah tough call well, that's gimlin was was recently interviewed as well and he he admitted that they went out there looking to film a bigfoot they had all the equipment to do that well the question is were they making their own bigfoot movie mm-hmm. or were they trying to film a bigfoot scientifically yeah. that's a question like maybe they were trying to make a bigfoot film and they realized that they had actually shot a piece of film that was so amazing they could fool everybody mm-hmm. and hey let's just turn this into bigfoot footage and not even tell people about the little movie we were going to make so it is a real thing we'll get way more exposure it's a, it's a possibility well anything's possible you know he, he even mentioned that they they went up they found where, where this thing had been watching them for a few days and he wanted to go out looking for it but the other guy said no no let's wait a little bit and then we'll go after it later or something so uh, you know Gimlin could have just been a, a pawn and, and everything else you know they just could have probably used him to, to film it and so that's that's what it sounds like when he's interviewed yeah I, I we haven't interviewed him and uh, because we're a drama free show on and throw a bunch of curveballs at him that's just not uh-huh. our no no no, no not, not curveballs it was just him talking you know he was being interviewed and it was just him oh no him. I'm saying like if yeah. we had him on would I ask him the hard yeah. questions like hey well how come no one else has gotten anything that's as amazing and hey weren't you guys really filming a Bigfoot movie movie um just things that i've heard and even if he wasn't the movie aside the fact the one reason that we haven't got anything else that's comparable in so long especially with all the technology we have out there now just it almost defies the odds just that maybe it's a numbers thing maybe that's why i feel comfortable saying that math doesn't be a very small population but you know that that they would eventually inbreed themselves out of existence if it was that small yeah and we have different types too that's i find that interesting you know you go into the himalayas you got the yeti you go and the southern U.S., you have the skunk ape. Up by us, uh, most of the reports are in the Midwest. They're brown color. If you go out towards uh, the, the West Coast, the Rocky yeah. Mountains, they're more black. They're darker. Uh-huh. You go up towards Alaska, and they're getting bigger again. You're getting It goes from 8 feet all the way to 9 feet. To some people yeah. say 10 feet. Same thing with the dog band reports. It seems like the further north you go the bigger they get. You know, I don't know why that is, but uh, again, as we see it with bears. Further yeah. north, you the bigger they get. It's like the grizzlies. Yep. You know, and polar bears. bears. And... So yeah, that I believe too. I mean, that kind of makes sense. Well, there, there's even been a report of white Bigfoots over in Alabama. We had a guest on 
that, that mentioned that he actually saw one. And you know what's interesting about that? I wonder if that isn't just old age Bigfoots. I Maybe. Mean, you know, I mean, why not, right? Sure, absolutely. You know, but and how long do they live? There's no telling. They could live, you know, 60 years or you know, 100 years, 120 years. You know, some, some whales live over 200 years. You know, it's, we don't know. We don't know. Another amazing thing about Bigfoot, I've always been amazed by. If, if you look at specific things, one thing, you know, that, that, make, that has made me wonder, I believe in Bigfoot because I've seen him with my eyes. So I know he's real. Some of the questions I have would leave me skeptical otherwise. Like, for instance, how come nobody stumbled upon a sleeping Bigfoot yet? Nobody, ever. Not one report of someone sneaking up and, oh, yeah, I was walking along and there's a Bigfoot sleeping by a tree. Mm-hmm. You know, you never hear that. Um, we yeah. never find them sleeping, ever. Now, of course, they say that they, they go way deep in the middle of nowhere and they have sentinels and this and that. And maybe they do. So we're still not finding them. We're not. And some of these reports aren't deep in the middle of nowhere. Where we were, we were 15 minutes away from a Walmart where I yeah. saw them. Again, it's like that to me, like if there's, I, I do think they're a breeding unit because we see big ones, we see little ones. We've seen mothers holding big foot, you know, little Bigfoots, sea family units. Yeah. We don't yeah. see that with Mothman or Jersey Devil, which is why I think them are possibly more demonic also. Again, that falls into paracryptozoology too. Any animal or suspected cryptid that may have superhuman abilities or supernatural abilities of some type, that kind of falls into that too. But What would be your advice, Kevin, to anybody who did come across a Bigfoot? What, how would you tell them to, to react and behave? I am no-kill opposed to pro-kill, so my advice would be don't murder something needlessly. Man, if you can get a picture. <laughs> Absolutely. Of course, you know, some people believe that, well, we won't ha- Some people believe, well, we have to kill it because science won't acknowledge it until we mm-hmm. kill it. Guess what? We probably have killed them before. And guess what? They're covered up. That's the problem. These things get covered up. X-Files, yeah, that's fake. But there are there are FBI uh, agents out there that work on explained cases. That's real. The Smithsonian alone has covered up so much stuff on giants. That alone. And yeah, again, when you talk about giants, you know, some of them Bigfoots are pretty big. I'm not saying the Bigfoots are giants, but what I'm I'm just saying, like, if, if the Smithsonian and the government's going to cover up, cover up giants, um, I'm sure that they've probably, the government's probably, like Gavin suggested before, you know, have they, do they have a body? Do they know about it? Yes, they do. And they cover it up. Who knows? Maybe someone, the thing is, nobody's going around killing them all the time. To see one alone is like once in a lifetime. So to actually get a chance to kill one would be even probably way more the odds are way more greater or less i should say that you're going to do it so you know probably has happened it's probably been covered up really well just never heard about it and the people that say that they've actually had the opportunity to do that say they don't because it looks too human yeah and good for them i'm glad we have people like that in the world yeah they, they say oh, no that, that was a human you know that, that'd probably go to jail well, these so. are businesses. if they're set in beings beings like us and they're made in God's image like us had two arms two legs they're our brothers um, well it, it could be you know another theory another another um, another species of human another type of human you know maybe you know like a Neanderthal type maybe some of them could have lived into modern times back at you know deep into the forest somewhere deep in the mountains sure and that's um, what we're seeing they're clever enough to, to stay hidden I believe in Genesis somewhere it talks about men was all covered head to toe in hair and he left the clan or whatever and went off in the woods to live. okay that reference is in the bible i find that interesting i mean just that reference alone but so yeah i think they're they're referring to the same creature maybe it's a different i, I think so a different I mean, species different something 
we got dwarves, we got hobbits, we got gigantic yeah. We can prove all this. We have giants. I mean, not every giant skeleton was covered up. So we different sizes, shapes, variations of humanoids. Let's just call them humanoids. Whether they're interdimensional, uh, extraterrestrial, underwater. Yeah, I, I think it's totally plausible. I, I also a uh, fan of the hollow earth. Not fan. I, I, I believe there's something to the hollow earth theory. And who knows what lives down there? Some prominent cryptozoologists and paracryptozoologists I know believe that some of these Bigfoots are coming from cave structures that uh, live underground. And that's why we don't run into them too often. And once in a while, they'll venture out of ground. Um, again, it's a theory that is as good as any other theory until we can prove otherwise. You can speculate on it. So, yeah, I, I would say, why not? There could very easily be like a Neanderthal that just happens to have a lot of hair. Yeah, You know, here's the thing I always saw. Okay, we have Star Wars with Chewbacca, and which is, that's George Lucas, right? Who is a Freemason. I think he's Illuminati even. And he would have information to secret society stuff. So who knows? Like what kind of, you know, it's possible that even the Vedic stuff talks about hairy men. You know, you probably, I know you can find uh, old, 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 old Oriental artwork that depicts men all covered in hair. Completely, yes. you know. Yes, I've seen that, yes. It's just, even it's even a, the Vikings, the old Norse have stories about people up in the in, in the north, in the far north that had hair, or covered with hair, and they did battle with these creatures. For, maybe these creatures are some kind of angels of the earth, for all we know. Or hmm. maybe they're a species, like, there's so many possibilities. But I just, I can't help but to think that there's some, something paranormal or supernatural going on with them. There's, there's some element to it that's, whatever the element it is, it's the yeah. element that's keeping the mystery for us going. I mean, why, again, like, we should be able to document certain creatures like we do every other creature. And I understand we're finding new ones all the time. But with the Bigfoot, I mean, there's over 100,000 reports in the U.S. alone. That's a lot of reports. And that's yes. the one that people have come forward with. I figured for every report, there is at least one report that's not coming forward. Easy. Maybe two or three for everyone that does come forward. Quite a bit. Yeah, I'd imagine. So, I mean, you take that. I mean, that's just, again, like when I saw the, the map of Britain and all the Bigfoot sightings that were calculated, I was like, holy shit. That filled, I mean, damn near the whole island is filled up. If they're seeing that many, how come they can't document the species of it? Right. That alone tells me there's, I don't know if portals or they're invisible or interdimensional or what the deal is, but there's something going on. Exactly. Exactly. And, and a lot of people, they're not going to report what they've seen. You know, they're afraid to, you know, they don't want to be ridiculed or anything like that because that's what society does. Especially so. if it's got supernatural elements. To yes, it. exactly. To say I saw a Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. It's another thing to say I saw a Bigfoot and he walked in a portal, you know, and that kind of stuff. So, you know, or. So we're, I, we're, we're pretty much conditioned not to report these things. Society has conditioned us to do that. And, you know, I think that's on purpose. That is on purpose. That's part of our conditioning. They don't want us asking questions. They want us work and, you know, fill the system, basically. Yeah. And ask as few questions as possible and give as much information as possible. But that's uh that's, that's because of the mortal powers that be. That's things happen for a reason. And a lot of things happen for a lot of reasons we don't know about.